Our Father God, we thank you once again. We just bless your holy name right at this hour. We come before you with the mind of the Spirit of God for instructions, wisdom, revelation of your word. We demand God that our heart be open for reception. The Holy Spirit, you impress into us the divine nature of God as the word comes to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today we're dealing with number... Number 10. We've dealt with number 9, we've dealt with number 8, so we're dealing with number 10 today. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going to be looking at this number, it's an interesting number as well. Um, number 10 is one of the most frequently used numbers in the Bible. Frequently used numbers in the Bible. That's number 10. It's totally used 242 times in the Bible. Number 10. You know, in Exodus 12, verse 3, we have the Lamb of God, which is a Passover Lamb, and that took place on the tenth day of the first month. That's Exodus 12. Verse number 3. And that also connects to our sacrificial lamb, which is the lamb of God, in relation to the death of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. And so, when you look at the book of 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, you find that scripture says, 1 Corinthians 5 verse number 7, for you are therefore the old leaven, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, that you may be a new lamb, as ye are unliving, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So this connects to Exodus 12. But what I'm saying is, in Exodus 12, verse 3, the sacrifice of the lamb was done on the tenth of the first month before they left Egypt. The tenth day of the first month of the living Egypt. So that shows that ten is connected to our redemption. Praise the Lord. Again, critical study reveals that the day of atonement it's also on the tenth day of the seventh month, known as, you know, kind of Sabbath holiday, if you will. Now, all these ones are not really your problem, but there are some things I want you to begin to pick from here. We have Noah as a tenth patriarch. Noah is a tenth patriarch. And is the tenth generation of men that ever lived on the face of the earth before the flood. That's Noah. Was the tenth patriarch and the tenth generation of men that lived upon the face of the earth before the flood. That's number ten playing out there. In Mighty 25, let's look at verse 1. For instance, 
Jesus gave this parable about the ten virgins. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Ten virgins. Amen? All right. We know we have the parable of the, the talents. You remember that again? Right. It speaks about ten as well. Now, there is something very important again about number ten. Six is the number of man. Four is the number of the world. So you add six to four, you have ten, which speaks of testimony. So ten is the number of testimony. Amen? You take the creation and you take man to the bad testimony. Now, if it takes time to read the book of Paul's John, he talks about three bow record in heaven, and uh, there are three bow record on the earth. Remember that? Good. So here you find that we take the creation and then the number of man, add them together, you have number 10, which speaks of testimony. Now, a tight. It's supposed to be tent, one tent. As a matter of fact, it's tent of your enemies. And it's a testimony of our faith in the Lord. The tithe, which is a tent, is the testimony of our faith in the Lord. I need you to get that because very important. Just like I said, you take six and add it to four. Creation and man, you have ten, which is testimony. And so ten, which is your tithe, is actually the testimony of our faith in God. The testimony of our faith in God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, we're going to look at some very prophetic significance of the number 10. All of that which I've just said is just to tell you how number 10 is used all through the scriptures. So many places you find the use of number 10. It's the most used number in the whole Bible. Very, very important. You know, 10 is like a perfect number and just like 7 is a perfect number. And when you have 10 and 7 coming together, 7 takes the superiority and 10 becomes subordinate to 7 in terms of completeness. But let's make some progress. Like I said, there are a lot of parables that Jesus used. They're all talking about 10 and 10 and 10. You know? Praise the Lord. Of 10 lepers that came. You remember that? Praise the Lord. Alright, so what is 10 speaking to us about? Like I said, it's a prophetic number in the Bible. Now, 10 speaks of fullness. Entirety. When I say entirety, I mean completeness. It speaks of fullness. It speaks of entirety. It speaks of the sum of the extent of something. Number 10. Fullness, entirety, 
that's completeness, right? And then he speaks of the extent of the of the sum of anything. Praise the Lord. Again, I, I want to repeat this for you to get it. Ten speaks of fullness. It speaks of entirety, the whole thing, entitled. And then it speaks of the sum of the extent of something. That's number ten. And so, like I said, when, when ten and seven are used together, they both being perfect and complete number, seven is seen as a higher number or superior number, and ten is subordinate number. These two numbers, like I said, are perfect number. Number ten is perfect. In fact, three is perfect number. Seven is perfect number. Ten is perfect number. Twelve is perfect number. All these things speak of perfect number or completeness. Is that okay? Right. Now, you know the story of, of what happened in Egypt. What happened in Egypt when Moses got to Egypt? There were ten plagues. You remember that? Ten plagues took place in Egypt. For the redemption of Israel and for the humiliation of the false gods of the Egyptians. Ten plagues were released. That means complete plagues were released to demolish all of the gods that the Egyptians were worshipping. So the plagues were the full and complete plague, you no, know, needed humiliation. And so ten plagues were released against those gods. Every of those plagues was against one of the gods of the Egyptians. It was a point for God to prove his superiority to other gods. As a matter of fact, it was meant to create conviction in the heart of the Israelites that a God, remember they have been there for 400 years. And so they don't understand much more than what they can only see. Amen? Right, but here they begin to see that there's a supernatural God. Because God needs to bring them out. That's why in the book of Deuteronomy, he said, I brought you out with outstretched hands, with signs, wonders, and miracles. He did all of those things to create conviction in your heart that there is a supernatural God higher than the gods that Egyptians were worshipping. So it was meant to create faith in them. So one of the things that miracle actually does is to create faith in you. When you see miracles happen, you have faith in the supernatural God. Praise the living God. That's how you see when the Bible says that in every generation he will not live himself without a witness. He raises people to perform signs and wonders and miracles for our faith will still continuously be in God. Are you getting that? So you check in the 70s, there were men with supernatural gifts or miracles, healings, whatever. Every generation, he raises people. One of the major reasons why that is done is to keep on getting people to get attention and to draw their attention to himself that there is a supernatural God who can perform miracles much more than what you can see. So, 
just like we are today, when God begins to do certain things, and whatever thing God is doing at this moment, is to turn your attention to Him and to be able to say, well, other gods, whatever thing, just like gods in Egypt, they are not compared to the God that I'm worshipping. So one of the major purposes of miracle is to build faith in you and the supernatural God. And so this is what happened in, in Egypt when God had to demolish and humiliate all of those ten gods that were in Egypt that Egyptians were worshipping. And the Israelites have come to start building faith, if you will, in those gods. Because that's the only thing they know. That's the only thing they've seen. 400 years, so many of them were born right in Egypt. And so for God to get them into a conviction that there's a supernatural God higher than the Egyptian gods, what happened? He has to destroy those things by performing miracles, signs, and wonders. And then their faith begins to go back to that same God, that this God is higher than the gods we see in Egypt. Are you following that? But that was done with number 10. That's what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. Amen? And then when that happened, Israel was able to come out. Now they could believe that there's God. Remember that? Good. Even before Moses got there, remember, he was saying, they are not going to believe me. He said, but when you throw down your, your, your rod, pick it up, become a snake. What is that? So, okay, if they don't believe you for this, they're going to believe you for this sign. So he gave signs so that they can believe. So sometimes the signs and miracles that you see is to draw your attention onto who? Onto God. Just to create faith in you. Praise the Lord. All right. If you look at Exodus, we may not be able to read this, but just write it, Exodus 23 to 17. And then, um, maybe we just look at um, Exodus 34 verse 28. But write down the other one, Exodus 23 to 17, then Exodus 34 28. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, And he was here with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Amen? Now, the law was all that man needed in the society to live a harmonious life. All of the other things you see in the book of Exodus and all that, there was an expansion of the Ten Commandments. Is that okay? Are we here? Okay. So there was just an extension of the Ten Commandments, if you will. Let's look at Exodus 20, for instance, and then read for verse number one. And, um, and God says, speak all these words, saying, look at that. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then he said, Thou shalt have no other gods before thee, number one. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above, or that is in the earth below, or that is in the waters under the earth. And went for that to say, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers unto the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And then the six says, And show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandment. Is that okay? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 
For the Lord will not hold the guiltless that take his name in vain. Alright? Okay, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now the next thing he says, Six day thou shalt labor and do other works, and then say, But that seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou neither sound neither torches, the may servant know, the may servant know, the cattle know, the strangers that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that therein, I mean, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Is that okay? Right. Honor thy father and thy mother, that, it may, that thy days may be long upon the earth, upon the land, with the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then he said, Thou shalt not kill. And then he said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And then he went forth and said, Thou shalt not steal. Are you getting this? Alright. Thou shalt not be a false witness against thy neighbor. And then he said, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, nor covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his maidservant, nor his maidservant, nor his what? His ox, nor his ox, nor any of those things. I mean, that belongs to your neighbor, if you will. And all the people saw the thundering aligned me. Now, if you check all the Ten Commandments, five were towards God. Five were towards men. The, the Ten Commandments are the things that were made by God for man to live in a harmonious society. That was the ultimate purpose. So five were towards God. How you relate to God and five were towards men. How you relate to your neighbor. Are you following what I'm saying? So all I would just read, if you take time to check it, you'll find that five were actually dealing with God. Things that God wants and how he wants you to relate to him. Don't serve any other God. He's taking the whole thing. I mean, I'm a jealous God. He's speaking about himself. The next thing, that's an okay, that's an uncovered, your neighbor, that's an He's speaking to your neighbor. So what he's trying to say, if you keep these laws as it were, there'll be harmony where? In the society. If I don't steal from you, if I don't kill you, if I don't cover what belongs to you, there'll definitely be peace. Am I right? Are we here? Praise the Lord. So, we find that the ten words form the basic laws, I mean the basic laws, of the law commandment, like I said. So it speaks of the responsibility of law. Ten speaks of the responsibility of law and speaks of completeness, but basically responsibility. Your duties. Ten speaks of your responsibility. So like I said, the law was all that man needed in the society to live in a harmonious way. With the Ten Commandments, like I said, five were towards God and five were towards men. These Ten Commandments were given to ten generations. We take time to study. The Ten Commandments were given to ten generations. And again, we'll find that in critical study, we have ten nations that were always very hostile towards Israel. Ten nations, Philistines, the Assyrians. Just check through the Bible. There were ten nations that were very hostile towards Israel. Number ten. The phrase God said is repeated ten times 
in the book of Genesis chapter 1. When you read Genesis chapter 1, you're going to see, and God said, and God said. It's used 10 times. Like I'm saying, 10 is actually dealing with completeness. It's dealing with fullness and complete entirety. The sum of the extent or the extent of anything at all. That's number 10. So when you see God said, God said 10 times, in the book of Genesis chapter 1 in particular, it's dealing with the creation. And so speaks of the creative power of God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be this, and there was Ten times it was used. So ten speaks of the creative power of God. And they're very important. We know that. Praise the Lord. Are we here? It speaks of the creative power of God. And this is very, very important, and I need you to understand that. That's number ten. Amen? And the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, like I said, anytime he says the thing, something happens. You see that? Good. So that was used ten times, I mean the completeness of that which God intended to do. You find that in Genesis 1. Praise the Lord. For man to be complete, help me here. You have ten fingers and ten toes. Did you get that? I mentioned to you earlier on, five speaks of grace. Praise the Lord. So now, you say man is complete, man is who is supposed to be, you have ten fingers on your two hands, and you have ten toes on your two legs. Number ten. So, you see, you are actually a manifestation of the fullness of that number. By reason of your hands, I mean your fingers, and your toe. Now, this is very interesting. If you see counting from number one, when you count up to number ten, what you have is actually one and zero put together. Is that okay? Hey, are you here with me? Alright. One and zero put together. Now, what is one? One means alpha. What is zero? Zero means omega. So ten is alpha and omega. Are you getting this? And what is alpha and omega? The beginning and the end. So all numbers end with ten. And today we're dealing with binary numbers in terms of our calculation, our arithmetic, whatever. Everything ends with ten. And everything starts, if you will, with ten. Because you see, if you want to say eleven, you're only just taking one and add it into ten. And you get eleven. You're starting all over. You take two, add it to ten, you have twelve. You take three, add it to ten, you have... Are you getting what I'm saying? Right. So, you're just starting all over. So, number ten is completeness. Alpha and omega. The final number. 
Praise the Lord. We here? And I mentioned earlier on that Jesus uses number to deal with the issue of the parables. The first one we read there was Matthew chapter 25. Uh, let's look at Matthew 15 verse number 8. And then uh, we see Luke 19 verse 13. Let's look at Luke 15 verse number 8. Luke 15 I said, not Matthew. Luke 15 verse number 8. Can you get it? You say, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she finds it? How many? Ten. Completeness. So, what God is saying, I don't, I don't want to say this, but what God is saying is, it's not going to lose anything. <laughs> Amen. It's difficult to grasp this, but that's what God is saying. Remember, it talks about if a man have a hundred sheep and she lose one, you go look for the other one, the other ninety-nine, stay back and come in. What is that supposed to mean? It's not going to lose any, especially such as the Lord has given to him. You lose none. He's going to seek them out wherever they are. Diligently too. And that is one of the ways by which you've been found. The Lord sought you out. You could be one of those pieces of sievers. And how many of you understand that sievers speaks of redemption? I've explained that to you before. Am I right? Sievers speaks of redemption. Brass speaks of judgment. Gold speaks of divine nature. I speak of bondage. Hmm? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Look at Luke 19, verse 13. Luke 19, uh, 13, Jesus gave another parable. He talks about, And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. This is the parable of the talent. Ten, seven, ten pounds. So you begin to wonder, how, how is it that Jesus was using ten, ten, ten in all of his parables? Amen? That is how significant the number was, or number is, in relation to redemption, in relation to this that Jesus was doing, and what he intends to do. So it's critical for you to understand that number ten is such a vital number. Praise the Lord. Are we still here? Now, in the book of Revelation, we're not going to spend more time today. I want to be very brief on this, for you to catch a few things as well, to meditate upon. Revelation 2 verse 10, for instance. Let's look at this. Fear none of those things. Uh, how do I start from but let's just take it from there. Fear none of those things which without shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And he shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee what? A crown of life. Ten days. Is that speaking of 
1 to 3 up to 10. What is the significance of this number used here? Praise the Lord. Now I want you to look at it again. Jesus was speaking to this church and said, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation ten days. The emphasis there is the word ten days. That's what I want you to get. It's a bit of faithful unto that and I will give you a crown of life. So, is it saying the trouble is going to be just ten days? Then after ten days they are free. No more trouble, no more tribulation. Was that what Jesus was saying? Praise the Lord. And I want you to catch it because there are some things I want to bring out here in relation to number 10. So that you see how important the use of that word is. Now all of this that I'm saying is by the time perhaps in a revelation or your dreams or vision, the Lord begins to show you number 10. You should be able to know what God is talking about. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Now, as, as it was in this book, you know, you must understand that the book of Revelation is a prophetic book, written in symbols. Is that okay? So, you don't see ten days, just like all that we are trying to be going through, or we've been trying to read, like all the parables. You don't see ten, and you begin to count ten to mean exactly what it's talking about. That's why I would say when you see ten, you're dealing with completeness, you're dealing with fullness. You know, praise the Lord. And um, this is a prophetic book that we must understand and, 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 and see exactly. Uh, ten years of tribulation here may actually be denoting, I mean ten days, uh, ten years of tribulation or persecution. And uh, there is a study like Adam Clark would say, reveals the uh, this was precisely the ten years during the reign of the persecution under Diocletian, during which the churches in Asia were grievously afflicted. So you can tell the ten is not just ten days, but like ten years. Is that okay? Right. It's a long period of time, you know. Alright, because a day is equal to a year. You have to understand that. And again, let me say this. When you see numbers, for instance, let me give you this before I come back here. Psalm 50, let's look at, uh, I think, number 10. Let me see. That's what I'm looking for. Psalm 50, number 10. Okay, look at this. For every beast of the field is mine. Okay, let's go back a little bit. Let's start reading from verse number 2. No, 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 that would be too far. Just go back to, let's say, six, let's take four verses, but what I'm looking for. And the hill shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. And then verse seven says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee, I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for their sacrifices or the bond offering. To have been continually before me, I will take no bullock out of the house, nor he goats out of their folds. For 
Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Now, what I'm trying to make you see here is, when you read of numbers like a thousand, what comes to your mind? You are not counting one, two, three, up to a thousand. So now, if you think a thousand hills belongs to the Lord, I mean the cattle on a thousand hills, that means the other 999 doesn't belong to God. Is that what you mean? You see what I mean? A thousand is simply a number of God in relation to His fullness. Praise the Lord. And that gives you ten times hundred. Am I right? Gives you a thousand. You see the power of ten. So it's simply the number of God. The creative power of God. So when you say a cattle on a thousand hills is mine, what is that supposed to mean? Are you saying other hills, 999, cattle there doesn't belong to God? No. This is why when you read in the book of Peter, it will tell you a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day of the Lord. And so when you go to the book of Revelation as well, and in chapter 20, you begin to read about the devil shall be bound for 1,000 years. After that, we let loose. And then you'll be calculating that to me what people call the millennial reign. No. A thousand years is simply a day and a day like what? A thousand years. So in the true sense, what he's saying is the time the devil is bound is the reign of God. You are in God's season that the devil is bound in your life. Now how is the devil bound, for instance? He said the devil will be cast into a, I mean, a bottomless pit and changed. I saw a chain and the hands of the angel come down and bind the devil, you know, cast him to a bottle left to peace and bind him for 1,000 years after I've been let loose. So what bind the devil? The devil is, is a spirit being. You can't use a physical chain, neither an angel carrying physical chain like this type to chain the devil. You can chain spirit with chains. So what chains the spirit? Truth. Are you sitting there with me? What do you think changed the devil? Truth. Because, you see, we are told that it's cast into the bottomless field and chained so that it will deceive the nations no more. Once he's bound, he won't deceive. When it's loose, that means deception is let loose again. Are you following this? I did a post on that today so you can check it out. But I'm saying this for you to understand that ten is the power of God. Praise the Lord. Are you following it? Right. So you see, the devil can be bound and let loose in your life, depending on your faith, depending on your conviction, depending on your belief. Like, like I said, you see, when Martin Luther said, the judge shall live by faith, the devil was bound. Freedom came into the church. He broke out from a Catholic church. You remember that? And he said, the judge shall live by faith. Men began to read the Bible. Industrial revolution came up in Germany. A lot of things began to come up. Because of one truth that came forth. But when the church forsook this reality and go back to religion, the devil is let loose again. 
to deceive the nation. So we bound the devil or lose the devil, not God, by the truth we receive into our lives. Are you sitting there with me? Praise the Lord. So, I'm talking about this tribulation that was supposed to come to this church, and it said 10 days, which actually speaks about 10 years in the prophetic language. Now, but 10 actually speaks of that which is repeatedly done. It is something that is frequent and in abundance. Let me show you something in this regard to tell you how this number works. Genesis 31, look at verse 7 and verse 41. Genesis 31, verse 7 and verse 41. Now, this is Jacob speaking. And he said, And your father have deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God survived him not to hurt me. Go to verse 41. Thus have I been twenty years in my house, and have served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle, and thou hast changed my wages ten times. Was it? <laughs> was it, you know, every time Laban was changing the salaries or the wages of, of Jacob? No. What he's saying is, you frequently be changing my wages. Remember when he was to pick the first daughter? Okay, if do this, yes, I'll do that by chance. Oh, no. Serve another how many years again? 14 years of whatever, then I give your daughter. All of these things were wages and changing constantly. So 10 speaks about here, the application means frequent changing, not constant. So when, when, we, when we read that you're going to suffer tribulation 10 times, or for 10 days, we're talking of tribulation coming to that church frequently, regularly, and in abundance. Are you still here? Okay. Go with me to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 14 verse 22. Oh, numbers, yeah. Because all these men which have seen my glory, God speaking, and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times. And I'm not hacking to my voice. Are we saying the children of Israel tempted God just one to three up to ten times? No. Frequently. Amen? Grievously tempted and sinned against me. That's what God was saying. They were always rebellious. They were always tempting God. They were always complaining. So it's not just ten times, but Frequently and in abundance. So you begin to see that ten times or ten speaks of that which is complete in abundance and that which is frequent. Charlie, when it comes to ten times. Amen? Okay, look at another one. Nehemiah 4, verse 17. Nehemiah 4, 17. Oh, sorry, look at verse 12. Nehemiah 4, verse 12. And it came to pass that when the Jews who dwelt by them came 
They said unto us ten times, From all places whence they shall return unto us, they will be upon us. They said unto us ten times. Not me. In time they come there, talk to them, they go back, they come talk to them, go back. No. That means they were frequently, constantly talking to us. Sometimes discouraging us when Iman was building. Are you getting that? Right. Okay. Uh, here they were talking about the constant they come to tell us when the enemies are trying to come to attack them. And they were doing that regularly and frequently when they were building. Is that okay? Alright. Look at Job 19 verse 3. Job said, These ten times have ye reproached me. Ye are not ashamed that ye make yourself strange to me. Talking about these friends. But it's not as if they did that on a regular world ten times. But frequently they were telling him, You don't claim to be a righteous man. You think you are a righteous man. You feel you shouldn't suffer the because No, only sinners can go through this. You keep on saying things to me. And Job said, these ten times. Praise the Lord. Alright. Let me take this final word here for you. Look at the book of Daniel, chapter 1. And look at this, um, let's just take it from 18. That will be okay. Now, at the end... Of the days that the king had said he should bring them in. Remember, when he wanted to bring the Meshachel and Med Big Benig or whatever, come to him after the musician, I mean, uh, the physician have done the best they can. Bible said, now he's bringing these people so that they can give them, train them to be. You understand that? Right. And then we are told that they rejected the food of the king. And I'm sure you should be able to understand why Daniel said he would not eat the food of the king. Because Daniel had the understanding that there are a lot of food they were not supposed to eat as Jews in the book of Leviticus. He's talking about animals that are not you called, talk about animals that have fines, talk about animals that have, I mean, fish that have scales, right? And fines and so on and so forth. There were so many animals and fishes. That God said they must not eat. And there's a reason for that. For instance, why do you think God said to the children of Israel, don't, don't eat animals that does not chew the cord? Animals that does not chew the cord, don't eat it. Why? It's not talking about, you see, Timothy said, all things are good. And they are sanctified by prayer. Paul was saying that to Timothy. Remember that? So why do you think God was telling children of Israel, don't eat animals that are not you caught. What I mean is, you know what it means to chew the cord, isn't it? Right. The animals like goats, like sheep, like cow, they chew the cord. They take in so much in the afternoon and in the night, they bring it all out again and begin to, yeah, masticate it and... Bring it to the place where it can be digested within the system. So what that means is, 
Don't share fellowship with people who don't meditate on the word of God. That one me to chew God is to meditate. Blessed is he that meditates upon the word of God day and night, for they shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water, who don't care about times of famine or dryness or whatever. That's what it means to chew the cord. So God is saying, now, all of those things were there. So Daniel here said, no, I can't eat any of this because I don't know what they're going to use to prepare the meal. It was because of those laws Daniel said he would not eat. Are you there with me? And people know us again that, for instance, when Daniel was praying, the Bible said, open his window, and sometimes I heard one of the bishops said, it's about time we pray in the seven hours, I mean the night hours, like Daniel, you know, every three hours we go open the windows and pray like Daniel, it's about time. No. Why do you think Daniel was opening the window to pray? Because they were in Babylon. And when Solomon was building the temple, he said, God, anywhere there is a Jew, was they look unto the temple, answer their prayer. So Daniel was in Babylon. You go open the window to look towards the, the Jewish land. Now he's looking toward the temple. So why will you tell us to begin to pray? Open the windows today. <laughs> Hallelujah. So everything Daniel did was based on what was written for them at that particular time. So Daniel said, I will not eat this meal because I don't know the animals. I don't know the fish that are prepared with it. Just give me all the parts. Just like beans. I'm okay with that. I don't want to contaminate my faith. That's the strength of the student of Daniel. Are you there with me? Okay. Now the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuch brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And then he said, And the king communed with them, and among them all was found one, I mean, none like Daniel, Hazaniah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And the Bible says, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding, that the king inquired of them, he find the ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were all in his realm. He find the ten times better. What is that supposed to mean? What it really means, the king was always coming to inquire from them what he needs to know. Praise the living God. So ten times better was not a measurement per se as to how accurate and perfect the way as compared to other people. But it was just saying, the king now made them to be his counselors. On a regular basis, he goes to them. So I'm trying to say here, in all of this reading, ten times things of frequency, abundance, and fullness. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So they were giving white counsel and all of those things. So when we talk about ten, I'm again saying, it's talking about, or for instance, what we, what we read before in the book of uh, Revelation, talking about the tribulation, uh, the ten days tribulation. Actually speaking of the complete tribulation of the saints. The full tribulation, that they are going to have it constantly and complete. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, meaning, number 10 is the number of harmony, like I said before, is the number of perfection, and the number of creation. 
it speaks of integration. Integration. Putting this together. Like I was trying to illustrate. You take one, you take ten, alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. Everything comes in between. So you take one, you add one to it, you have eleven. The number of integration. Put it just together. So when God said, let there be, it was integrating, it was putting things together. Are you getting what I'm saying? Right. That's what it means. Number of, like I said, what am I saying? It's harmony, it's perfection, it's creation, integration, discipline, laws. Are you confused? <laughs> okay, I'll take that for you again. You're writing, so you just take this. What did I say? I said, number 10 is what? Harmony. Right? It means perfection. Perfection. It means creation. Because remember I said, and God said, he said at 10 times in the whole of Genesis chapter 1, creation took place. It speaks of integration, putting this together. Marrying things together. That's part of harmony. To integrate. To pull things together. Number 10. It speaks of discipline. Why is it discipline? We said that before. Remember when the Ten Commandments were given, it was meant for the children of Israel to obey and to live by. So, for you to obey laws, you're going to live under discipline. So the Ten Commandments was a disciplinary measure. It's discipline. Is that okay? It speaks of laws. Laws. You can talk about discipline without talking about law. A disciplined person is somebody who obeys laws. Am I correct? Right. Praise the Lord. That's number 10. It speaks of wholeness. Wholeness, completeness. And uh, most importantly, number 10 speaks of the authority of God and his kingdom on the earth. The number of the authority of God and his kingdom on the earth. That is why he discovered that he released 10 plagues on the gods of the Egyptians in order to redeem Israel. Hallelujah. Are we here? Praise the Lord. It speaks of what did I say? Authority of God and his government in the earth is a number of obedience and responsibility towards God and his laws. And I said that before in relation to the Ten Commandments. The number of obedience, number 10, is the number of obedience. And it's responsibility, your responsibility towards God and His laws. That's number 10. Like I said before, it speaks of what? The authority of God and His government in the earth. That's number 10. And that is very, very critical for you to pick. 
Amen? The authority of God and his government on the earth. And that is why it is a number of obedience. Because if you say, well, you want to become or you are a child of God, intends you to obey. So it's a number of obedience and responsibility towards God and His law. And one of the things that I need you to pick from this is this. Why we don't keep the laws like the children of Israel were, it's vitally important that you should be able to walk by every instruction that God gives to you. We are under law to the voice of God. Hallelujah. Let me say this. We are free. But yet, we are not free. How do I mean, you may ask? The Bible says, To whom you yield yourself as a servant also, you are a servant to that individual. Is that okay? And he says, either you are a servant of God or you are a servant of the devil. So while we are free, but we are under bondage, if I may use the word, it may look bad, but that's what it is, unto God. Because no servant is free on his own. Every servant has a master. Are you listening to me? So God is our master. So we are servants to God. Therefore, we are not free. We live by the instruction that He gives to us. Did you get that? Now, remember, I am saying this. Every child of God is a servant of God. And no servant is free on his own. Once you are a servant, that means you must live under obedience to your master. Is that correct? That's what it means. The difference is this. You are no longer a servant to the devil, but you are a servant to God. If you are a servant to the devil, you obey the devil. If you are a servant of God, you obey God. So number 10 is what instructs you to be in obedience to God. And that means anything you are supposed to be doing should be directed, controlled, led by who? By God. It's your proof of your servanthood to be in obedience to whatever thing God is saying. And that is number 10. Discipline, obedience, and our responsibility towards God and His laws. Praise the living God. And I see number 10 to be the number of love. Jesus said, oh, come on now, help me here. If you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> did you get that? If you love me, what did he say you should do? Keep my commandments. So, number 10 is the number of love. Because, remember what I said, speaks of responsibility and discipline towards keeping the laws of God and it speaks of the government and the authority of God on the face of the earth. Remember that? Good. Now if you are a servant of God 
to walk in keeping the laws of God, you're going to live in love. He said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. So number 10 is a proof of your love of God. That's why I said number 10 is the number of love. Are you getting that? No, it's very important we see this. Very, very critical. So, if for instance, help me here, you are dreaming or got a revelation about number 10, what comes to your mind? Hallelujah. What are you expecting? What do you think God is talking about? Hmm? It's not talking about judgment in relation to uh, what happened in Egypt. Not necessarily that. One of the things I want to say here is when you begin to see this thing, this is God coming to your life with some good news about your life. Hallelujah. It's coming as ministry to you as a servant because of your love for him. And I see it as coming into your life to reveal some things to you about what he has in mind for you. So when you see 10, the expressions of good news coming into your life. Because, remember, number 10 is creative. Number 10 is creation. Number 10 is thus we are the Lord. Let there be light. Are you sitting with me? God said, let there be light. And I was like, God said, let there be fish in the firmament of the sea. Let there be light in the heavens. And there was. So if God is beginning to speak to you, then expect some creation. So new things coming into your life. Expect good news. Are you there with me? Why? Because if you love me, you keep my commandments. Meaning, you are a servant of the Lord. And it's come into your life to give you some good news. But in the next phase of your life. Number 10 is so vitally important. If you take time to study. Remember, 1 and 0, Alpha and what? Omega. Completeness. So God is coming to show you some stuff about your life. What to expect. And this time is good news. Praise the living God. Did I help you tonight? That's number 10. God bless you. Thank you so much. See you next week.